This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to I Hate the Fins. This is episode number 19, which is the most unlucky number in this franchise's uh path right now if you wear number 19 something's bad it's gonna happen to you unfortunately but jakeem grant we're hoping for the best what was his issue last year was it an achilles, achilles uh, or, or like a bad calf or something it was definitely some lower leg nonsense it's weird you'd think that albert wilson was the one wearing number 19 because he had like that freak hip thing so Alas, it was Jakeem Grant. He wears 19. 19 is not a popular number with the Dolphins, but it is for us because this is the episode we got going on. Welcome. My name is Keith. I'm with my co-host, Zach. Uh, we just got done with the Combine, and I am fighting a cold, by the way, so I realize I sound more nasal than usual. There's no reason to point that out on Twitter. I get it. I know it. I'm aware of it. So anyway, the Combine goes by, and... Really dominated by Kyler Murray talk to start off. We talked about that last week. He came in at 5'10", and that was deemed suitable for a lot of teams, a lot of armchair quarterbacks, a lot of people just sitting at home wondering what the hell this team is going to do. Um, I'm still of the mind. I know that there's some backlash now. People think he's not going to go number one. I think he is. I think you're going to, when something like that comes up in the middle of middle to late February, and you have essentially two months to talk about it, you're going to find people who refute it, people who support it. You're going to have just endless discussions about it. And one way or another, I think if you're Arizona, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call. I think they're going to do it, though. And I got some emails last week and this week. I got like 26 the other day. I love it. People still email me instead of just sending me messages on Twitter. But they asked me what I think of Josh Rosen. And honestly... If you're buying into the current regime, you're buying into Chris Greer, Brian Flores, and company, you're buying into what they do. You'd like to think that Chris Greer is going to make decisions that work in concert with what Brian Flores, Chad O'Shea, uh, Patrick Graham, I almost called him Patrick Robinson, <clears throat> Patrick Graham, uh, what those guys are looking for. So if they did trade for Josh Rosen, as long as they didn't give up a King's ransom for him, and it seems like the price for him drops depending on, on who you follow on Twitter. If if they buy into that and it's the guy they want, then yeah, sign me up. That's cool. I don't have a problem with him. Some other people out there are, they claim like Jay Cutler 2.0. I mean, I get that with the whole attitude thing. And he had a rough go of it in terms of the whole scouting process last year. He had a lot of questions to answer in terms of his attitude. Um going after the the corporate sponsors. I was at UCLA. I think he teed off on Under Armour, if I recall correctly. But um, don't worry, he's an Adidas athlete, or Adidas, if you're listening over in Europe. So I don't know. I support it. I don't know what's going to happen with these guys. But it's, a, again, something we can talk about going forward. We'll see if a move is made. It'd be kind of weird for Arizona to go back on it now. I mean, you're almost to a point where 
you've put it out there that, yeah, he is your guy for now. So what kind of commitment is that long term, especially when you're talking about a guy who's in year two of what you assume would be a five year rookie deal with the option. So that's neither here nor there. Combine. Big emphasis placed on the defensive linemen last week. They definitely showed up some insane measurements. Dexter Lawrence. What does he have like a seven foot wingspan or something? Something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, let me let me see if I can pull it specifically, but it was unbelievable because he's he's not as big as we thought, but he's still because he, he came in at what six four ish, three forty. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, his arms his arms were almost thirty five inches. I think they were thirty four and three fourths. So I mean, you can kind of do the the well, math. We see from that there. kind of length from interior defensive linemen, so that is interesting. Um, he had a lot to prove, I think. Probably more so in interviews than actual, because I mean, we saw the offensive or the, we saw the on field defensive talent that he brings to the table when he was at Clemson. But, he, you know, he, he misses both their, their playoff games due to that banned substance thing. So, I mean, that's something that you go into interviews. He, I'm sure he was quizzed endlessly and probably ruthlessly about it. You know, that was a, that could have been a, a big, big issue for them. You know, they're missing their biggest defensive lineman. But, you know, they were also fortunate. They had guys like Albert Huggins who were there ready to pick up the slack. So uh, just out of the defensive linemen, it sounds like Chris Greer is definitely, if you believe what you read on Twitter, defensive line is a big uh, box this team is looking to check, both in the draft and, you know, can, you know free agency maybe. I don't know. Uh, any standout guys for you? Maybe guys you were looking to see and they lived up to your expectations guys you weren't expecting to see much from and they maybe kind of uh bent your ear a little bit um well obviously off the defensive line there i think the big one is uh sweat um i mean there was word on the street through guys like daniel jeremiah that said you know he could run a a sub four five five i'm like it could get real crazy and he could run like a sub four five um then the dude goes out there and runs a was it unofficial or official now four four one like i think it's official right yeah like that's insane um because and the crazy thing is is he played most of the time at six five six six two forty ish um but then he comes into the combine at two sixty pretty much even um and the dude just books it um all his other numbers were really good too, um, but obviously the forty times the impressive one. Um, I think his um, broad jump was—it was definitely above one hundred and twenty. It was probably closer to one hundred and twenty-five. Um, but I mean, the other guy that tore it up was uh, Brian Burns, and I think everybody was hoping and expecting to see that out of him too. He was real explosive. Um, I think he is going to be the top guy in consideration for those pretty still pure 34 teams. Um, I think he'll be really in play for the Packers at 12, um, which may surprise some people. But at the end of the day, he may have the best repertoire of pass rushing moves and counters after Bosa. Um, So I, I think he could go as high as Detroit. Um, And I mean, I think if teams aren't sold on, he can actually carry weight. 
he may go into the twenty somewhere, but he's going to go a lot higher than people might expect. Uh, just kind of going down the list of things I want to talk about. What do you think of your guys, Zach Allen and Anthony Nelson? Um, Zach Allen, I, he put up the numbers that you kind of expect from him. He's not a physical freak, physical tester, um, but he's a guy that'll just get the job done. Um, and I'll sign off on those guys all the time. You may just be signing off on him in the second round. Um, I like him. I would take him in the back end of the first um, and then Anthony Nelson is kind of a similar guy to Zach Allen. Um, he doesn't carry as much, um, I don't want to say carry as much weight cause he's taller. So it doesn't make sense to weight comparison him, but he, he's not as heavy handed. Um, and he doesn't lock it down on the line, um, and set the edge as well. Um, but I mean, he ran a, a I think like a four eight something right in the 40. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, the crazier thing. Yeah. The crazier thing for him is that he had a sub seven three cone. I think he ran like a, a six nine five, which like you want tight ends to run seven flat for good tight ends. Right. So a dude that's like six, seven, 271 pounds, you know, he's a guy that has 35 inch arms. Um, that's really good for, for a defensive lineman. Um, so I think those are two guys that if you're, you're looking for an edge player that might not be a burn the doors off the building edge rusher, but can do everything you want them to do. Um, second, third round are great spots for those two guys. With a uh, three cone time like that, is there any way mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Nelson doesn't end up with the New England Patriots? Because that's their thing, right? <laughs> right. That, yeah, that's that's the big thing that they sign off on. Um, I think with a three cone time like that, there's a lot of teams that have him in consideration. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely a pat special for for their kind of guys. Yeah, that's too bad because uh, I really like him. Uh, you messaged me the other morning talking about how the Ed Oliver dream is alive. Do you want to expand on that? Because we weren't able to really talk much about that because it was just a whirlwind weekend. Yeah, I mean, in in a smart world, in a world where people watch film and GMs take talented players because they're talented. Um, Ed Oliver doesn't make it out of the worst case scenario, top eight people. Um, eight picks are off the board. Ed Oliver is nowhere to be seen. Um, but I think with the way some of these other guys just tore it up, I mean, Montez Sweat, with those kind of numbers, there may be a team that goes back and hits his tape. And, you know, his his the biggest thing for him, he's not a great bender, um, especially for his size. He He doesn't have good ankle flexion um and so but i think with a 40 time like that and a broad jump and all the other things that he did he's a guy that's moving on up like i said there's a chance that brian burns goes up there um you know at the end of the day ed oliver didn't have the most knock your socks off um combine uh you know i think people at the end of the day will give him the the 6-2 kind of height benefit of the doubt um, he came in at 287, which was good. Um, and the thing is that that I think people get confused with Ed Oliver too, is that because of his size, they want to make him Aaron Donald. When like realistically, he's more Sue. Like he's yes. like he's got unbelievable strength and strong hands, and can shoot a gap when he needs to. Um, but like people just get 
size and their mind so much more set for prospects than what they do on tape. Um, and I mean, his combine backs it up too. Cause his, his bench press, he had a 30 plus bench press. I think he hit 32 reps. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I would comp him more to a, a Sue than a, an Aaron Donald, but I think with the quarterback nonsense that could potentially happen and some of these guys combines along with their tape, um, I think there's a chance that people may see him as not safe. Um, and you could have a, a Laramie Tunsil situation again. Oh, no. That would be too bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So isn't that the the main problem with the combine, though? Because it turns into, for these a lot of these prospects, yeah. you know, fireworks and loud noises and whatnot. But you brought it up that for some of these players, maybe Montez Sweat, the what he did on the field on Sunday maybe doesn't jive with some of the tape. Whereas you're talking mm-hmm. about Brian Burns did everything you expected him to based on his tape. So, and I yep. find that people just, it's so easy. It is such a, it's almost like a rock concert at this point with how the combine is coordinated and presented and everything. It is just, it is the, the off season Super Bowl outside of the draft for, for the NFL It's become such a big deal. I remember when it was just ho-hum and oh, the dra- Oh, by the way, the combine's going on. You know, and you would just kind of turn it on like on Saturday morning or whatever, and see that kind of stuff going on. And now it's just like I mean, cameras everywhere. I mean, there are no loose ends when it comes to that for the viewer. It used to be just for the teams and the scouts and whatnot. Now, I mean, you're outside of the interview process. You're privy to everything. So, um, the funny thing with that, Oliver, it seems like if you're Six one and you're two eighty ish and you play defensive line, you're gonna get compared to Aaron Donald now. And I hate that because Aaron Donald, it, humans that big shouldn't be that fast. And his first his first yeah. step is just absolute lightning. Which is why, like in people bring up the fact that, you know, he, well, he's playing in a three four. Well, he's in a one gap three four. He's playing in Wade Phillips' three four, so he's still shooting a gap. You know, he's not a two gap player in that in that system. And you wouldn't no uh, intelligent team would try to put that guy in a two gap scheme as like, you know, throwing him in as like a two gap defensive end or like a five tech. Why would you do that? Because, I mean, you're taking away, you know, you're depending more or you're placing more of an emphasis on speed or strength and ability to read instead of letting him go downhill. So. I, I have a problem with that. It's such a weird comparison. And I feel like whenever you get a size mold, people are going to be like, and I saw that with that Oliver. Oh, they keep bringing out the name Aaron Donald. And I was like, why can't he just be at Oliver? Or you brought it up. He's closer to Dominican Sue than he is, especially in terms of diversity uh, or scheme diversity. Because you think about Sue, he played in a 3-4. He was essentially the, the nose at Nebraska for a while there. And he almost beat Texas single-handedly in the Big 12 championship game. So playing that position, which is, I mean, when you're dominating from the zero like that, you're not bad, not bad at all. So I love Oliver's strength. I agree that I think his combine might uh, pale in comparison to some others. And maybe that works to a team like Miami. It works to their advantage. So uh, the sweat. You know, you know who a good comp is for for Ed Oliver? Now that I'm Bring thinking it. about it, Gino Atkins. Oh, yeah, that's fine. You you want to you want to yeah, draft Gino I mean, Atkins? G- Gino was 
Yeah, G- Geno Atkins was a little bit heavier, but I mean, they were both those six one kind of undersized guys, um, stronger than they are quick. Like, but I mean, I don't know. Again, people get locked into those size comps, and, and I mean, we've watched it for Kyler Murray this whole time. Um, so it, it is what it is. Combine makes people stupid. It does. Um, they see numbers. And they I don't get mean that in a patronizing or even condescending way, but it does. Because I mean, it. It's turned into to window dressing for the casual fan, whereas it used to be for the hardcore fan. Because, I mean, it, pre- it presented you information, you know, raw numbers. I mean, if you're interested, most people who are football fans have no idea what a three cone or a short shuttle is. But those are the two, in my opinion, outside of some uh, height, weight measurements. When you're drafting offensive linemen, I don't think you could find you know, the strength, you know, the bench press is important too, obviously. But in terms of agility, I don't care about a 40 yard dash. I, don't, I mean, people are killing some prospects where they ran it five plus. What, Greg Jones, what was he, like 5.33 or something? I can live with that. Think about Orlando yeah. Brown. And that's another example of his combine didn't back up his tape, but. He's got tape. He's got plenty of tape. He was an absolute. He was just a an absolute behemoth playing for Oklahoma, and you saw he was just business as usual in the NFL for him. You know, he just had a crummy combine, and people were like, "Well, I mean, this says so much about him." Not maybe, maybe not. All it did was allow Baltimore to get in and just say, "Like, yeah, okay, cool, we'll take him." So, speaking of crummy combines. A guy that had a bad combine, which gets me real all hot and bothered, is Dalton <laughs> Risner. Um, I love Dalton Risner. I hope teams don't like that, and I hope the Dolphins get him in the second round because we'd have some what, issues. What are, what are some of your your points here? Um, I mean, I, everybody knows how I feel about Dalton Risner. If you've, if you've listened to what we do... Um, I would sign off on Dalton Risner at 13. <laughs> um, but like he ran like a 5-3-40. He only had 23 in the bench press. Um, his three-cone drill was like 7-6-9. Um, no. Not good numbers at all. But I will say, if you watch the on-field drills, he has the most beautiful skip step for pulling I have ever seen. Um, like he does it in such one fluid motion that like there's times that I think he might be a dancer. I'm trying to remember. So I'm trying to remember that one threshold for, is it the three cone? Is it seven, seven, five? Maybe. So, I mean like he, he yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's not somewhere that, And then the that 20 yard shuttle there. or short shuttle, I want to say is four. Uh, forget that one. Four, seven, seven, maybe something like that. So I mean, like he, yeah. I mean, he he hits he hits those in a passable fashion. Um, and at no point did I ever think that Dalton Rizzer was going to come in and blow up the combine. Um, but you know, there's a certain level of numbers that you like to see. Um, but at the end of the day, again, he's one of those prospects where I didn't care what his numbers were. Um, there were numbers that would have been nice to see, but who cares? Right. So, I mean, again, it's something where you look at it and, like, did it back up the tape? In some ways, yeah. In some ways, maybe not so much. Uh, it sounds like offensive line is on the docket for Miami early, too, which, I mean, some of their fans are going to love that. 
I can already see my my inbox just filling up with, I'm so tired of taking non-impact positions in the first round. I got that I got that email when Mike Pouncey was drafted, uh, when Jawan James was drafted, even when uh, Laramie Tunsil was drafted. Go figure. So I, I don't understand people look at it and say it's not an impact. It allows to have it allows your impact players to make an impact. And if honestly, if you're drafting a quarterback this year, are you really comfortable with their interior protection? I am not. Not by a not by a damn sight. So it's something to consider. Like, yeah, and I mean the the other tackle spot's definitely not solidified either. If James doesn't come back, yeah, that's a big question um, mark. And I mean, like, as much as I like James too, he's not an all world right tackle or anything. Um, definitely could be upgraded. So I mean, if he wants like twelve a year, and you can get. Again, Dalton Risner, uh, Jawan Taylor. Um, I mean, there's a chance that maybe even somebody doesn't take Jonah Williams at that point. Um, there is a chance that at 13, you have like pick of the draft for offensive tackles. Um, I think a lot of those guys are probably upgrades over James and especially for a lot less money. A lot less money, especially if depending on uh, what they're going to go for here. So. I don't know. What's the figure they're trying to throw out there? Like 12 or something stupid like that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen 12 is probably the most realistic thing um, because people are hurting for uh, tackles there. I think 12 to 13, 14 is what you may see um, Daryl Williams get. Um, but even that's a little iffy. Um, but I think if he takes a hometown discount and wants to hang out with Larrabee Tunsil a little bit longer... Um, I think maybe 10 ish, yeah. you know? So I'm trying to remember. I maybe seven, seven, one for the three cone. And then I want to say like four, seven, five. Though, like that's been like the classic threshold for a lot of teams. Uh, I know Green Bay is one of them. There's like, there's actually an article out there about it. I want to give credit. I don't remember who wrote it, but, um, they made a great point about how Green Bay lands all these dudes on like day three. And they turn into like quality starters, but so Dalton Risner just gets inside those those thresholds. So, I mean, by that by that stretch, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like he had some other things that were just. I mean, the most impressive thing for me, and I realized that this is you know just a very small piece of the puzzle, are the arms because everyone expected him to come in with short arms, and they're thirty four. Those are long. Yeah. Those are long arms. Those are tackle arms. If you're using them there, so. I'm curious to see where he goes. I'm curious to see where he ends up in terms of position played. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely a guy that's a candidate to be bumped in. Um, I mean, hell, he even played center at K-State. So, like, dude can essentially play anything you want him to play, which I think adds to his value. But some people, you know, when you lean towards moving a guy inside, um, devalues him. But What do you think of the Oklahoma know. guys? Um, uh, Ford, Ford was fine. Um, I don't think he did anything to really necessarily improve his stock, um, but I don't think he heard it either. Um, and quite honestly, I didn't even know if Bobby Evans was there. (laughs) That's funny. Um, so actually, because we talked, 
Drew Samia, Drew Samia did did well, and so did uh, Ben Powers. Not not life changingly well, but um, I think those two guys did better than Bobby Evans. I think Bobby Evans is coming out and coming into this draft class as the weirdest starting left tackle um, in like draft history. Very very weird. well. Him and Ivy both yeah. are very weird. Mortez is uh, an unusual case for sure. What'd you think about uh, Juwan Taylor? Um, I, his his numbers were good. I think the biggest thing for him was his long arms. Um, Stupid long and arms. I think, and I think he he will intrigue some teams with the idea of could we turn him around and get him to play on the left side at a high level in you know two and a half Laramie Tunsil years. Um, because he's he's a really good pass blocker, especially for a right tackle. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's it's kind of like Jawan James. Um, if he's a really good right tackle, why not just have a really good right yeah. tackle? You know, there's so many teams that have two pass rushers at this point that don't force him to be what he's not. All right, so I meant to ask this earlier, and then I kind of got sidetracked. What did you think about Quinn and Williams? Oh, my God, like... That the dude's unreal. Like, how are you that size and run that fast? You're that strong. Like, I I just don't understand how a human being like that exists. Um, I mean, he's he's a top three pick. Um, worst case scenario. Where in that top three though? That's that's actually my follow up question. Because I mean, he could go number one. He could. Realistically, I mean that he's that good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's tough because I I'm pretty firmly on the whole. Um, Kyler Murray is going at one. Um, is he going okay. to the Cardinals? Debatable. I think that's a pretty strong possibility, and I'd sign off on that. Um, but I think he's going at one there. So I don't. I mean, Forty ers could use him. Um, they've been playing Earl Mitchell as their nose for. God knows how long, um, which he's still always impressed me that he was never that big, but he played a zero one shade like nobody's business. Um, yeah. Three, the Jets could use him, um, play him at nose there. Um, I think the realistic spot for him is that first Raiders pick. Um, I think one, he feels like a Raiders guy. I think. Um, I think that Gruden maybe laying the foundation for some quarterback BS um, in hopes that people move up ahead of him to get Bosa or Quinn and Williams to fall to him, or I guess Josh Allen. Um, I think Josh Allen is is the apple of his eye, personally. Like, I'm trying to see through all this crap, I think. Especially given what, what they just missed out on by shipping Khalil Mack. I think mm-hmm. Josh Allen is absolutely the guy John Gruden wants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not get your own Von Miller in a division with Von Miller? Um, and that's exactly what he wants. Yeah. He wants to get yeah. in that arms race. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, the the absolute floor for Williams is five at Tampa. Because, um, I mean, at that point, you – for this year, you bring him in. He's an every-down player, and you swap through um, 
McCoy and Vita Vea as your two A two B. Um, so uh, he he's easily easily a top five pick. Um, pretty firmly a top three pick in my mind. So curious to see what happens there. Could the 49ers actually take another defensive lineman? Like another another three four fit defensive lineman? I mean, they definitely could. Because um, it'd be the fourth one, right? Of, Armstead, Buck, yeah, Buckner, and yeah. Thomas. I think I think if they do, I think that's waving the the white flag on Solomon Thomas. When they took him, I didn't think they were going to use him the right way in the first place, and they didn't. Um, and I don't think he was built to do what they wanted to do with him. Um, I comped him to uh, Michael Bennett, who has been an unbelievably steady 43 um, outside early down guy, inside NASCAR package on passing downs guy. Um, and they, they just haven't done that with him. Um he was another guy that got the Aaron Donald comp, which made no sense. But that's, again, another stupid size comparison. I've, when I look at Solomon Thomas, I think about maybe one of the most unsexy defensive line picks ever. Just kind of like a lunch pail guy at Stanford. Yeah. You know, not a flash dude, but, you know, strong, like good quickness, smart player. John Lynch has kind of got an ego on him, I think, with some of the things that he does. I thought, like, I thought it took some ego to do with what they did taking Reuben Foster. Cause you have to think pretty highly of yourself with given his history to think like, Oh, we're going to bring him in. And it's not a big deal. Like we're like, I can, I can change him. I played for the Buccaneers with Tony Dungy and John Gruden. I can do anything. So I don't know. It's uh, it's too bad that Thomas has been miscast there. The only guy who's really uh, shown is Buckner. Yeah. So Yeah. Armstead, Armstead struggled, but they've Armstead was a guy that was a pretty comfortable five technique coming out, but he didn't necessarily have the functional strength to be a real lockdown five technique. Um, he was one of those weird Oregon tweeners um, that Dolphins fans know a little bit about. Um, but yeah, uh, other than other than Buckner and, and Buckner just got bigger. That's the thing. Yeah. A lot bigger. Right. And I, I love it. It's almost like a newspaper headline that surprises no one. Like Oregon defensive linemen lack strength. This seems to be a thing with them. But if you want to talk about miscasting and obviously Deion Jordan, I mean, it's been a topic beaten to death, but the, trying to turn him into a defensive end, I thought was a mistake. I thought, I thought he Yeah. They saw they saw length. Yeah, they saw length. I mean, I think he I thought he did his best work as a stand up guy at Oregon. And like honestly, sometimes he's a guy on certain downs could kick inside too. Like, I mean they they call that the NASCAR package, you know? I mean, like he had speed, he had plenty of speed, he was an athletic guy. And un- unfortunately They would have been better off they would have been better off playing him as Anthony yeah. Barr than Playing him as a, a four well, he could cover tight the ends. Guy. That was the thing. I mean, like he was super athletic yeah. in that regard. But I mean, I understand that it's it's tough to overcome the mental aspect. And I mean, like yeah, obviously there's a a lack of maturity there. He had some uh, things on his record that were interesting coming in. And one of them weren't they siphoning gas out of yeah. a car with a vacuum or something? And like he got he like. He caught on fire, I think, because there was like a spark or something. And I think he 
he sustained <laughs> some burns. I remember reading that story and I was like, it's going to be great if he can overcome that and be a great player. But I mean, that's messed up. So I don't know. Okay. Let's talk about the defensive backs. What'd you think? That's a, that's a, that's a big thing because I mean, this team is looking for number two. I think for a team, well, assuming that they're just looking for a number two, I think that this is not a bad draft class at all to be looking for a number two guy. Um, the top three guys, I feel comfortable with Baker and uh, Murphy. Um, do I think they're surefire number one lockdown guys? Mm, debatable. I think they have that growth potential. Um but at the end of the day, I think this is a great class for a bunch of number two guys across the board, depending on where you want to spend in the draft. I keep coming back to this, but did anyone really think that Xavier Howard was going to become the guy he is? I remember like no. I remember people hated no. that pick. They hated that the, the Dolphins traded up for him. They weren't about it. And I mean, honestly, he comes from a conference where defense is an afterthought. But I mean, I will say that Baylor Baylor has done a decent job of producing some quality defensive backs. I mean, they do a better job than most, in my opinion. Like if you're drafting guys out of Oklahoma, that feels risky to me. Uh, you know, if you're bringing guys out of Texas A&M uh, before they went to the SEC, it was the same thing. But it seems like Baylor has always kind of gotten a little bit of a handle on it. And it seems Texas this year has produced some guys like Chris Boyd. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, going back to the, the Oklahoma comment, I remember I loved Zach Sanchez. I thought he would have been an awesome nickel. Yeah. Um, but he is a dude that just he got zero shot. There's some of those guys that have like great college careers. I don't think he even got drafted. If he did, it was like sixth, seventh round. Went to the Panthers and just did not exist after that again. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, outside of a couple of examples, um. Big 12 is really hit or miss when it comes to, I mean, the defensive linemen tend to tend to do well, especially if they're, if they're big name guys, uh, linebacker. But I mean, you look at Oklahoma's defense and it is so undersized, you know, I mean, like some of their, the defensive linemen they've used are like, are the size of linebackers. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hit or miss. It's, it's something, but I mean, Xavier Howard has turned into, despite that you mentioned it when we were off air, that four, five, eight, 40 time, which at one point would have been a death sentence for somebody looking to play on the perimeter defensively in the NFL. And suddenly it's not a big deal. And I mean, like he goes in and like he, he tracks most of the receivers that he plays with. He doesn't seem to have a problem. He doesn't seem to lack that speed. He's got that game speed, it seems. So, uh, but he beats dudes. He actually beats dudes at the line of scrimmage. That's Does. the biggest thing. If you win out the gate, then you don't need to worry about chasing guys down or running guys down with you know four four speed. Yeah, I love him. He's he's turned into a technician. He's confident. He's smart. I mean, and these people who talk about well, he could be a, a trade chip. I think he'd be insane to do that. So. Who do you like? If you could get any of these guys as your your number two corner, it's up to you. Who would you take and where would you try to get them? Because it I mean, obviously it doesn't have to be the first round. Yeah. Well, again, I guess it's the conversation of, you know, are you 
interested in spending a second round pick on a corner? Are you interested in spending a day two pick at all on a corner? Um, I think, you know, I think there's some guys late three, early four that might be in play. Um, a guy that I really like is Justin Lane um, from Michigan State. He's long, um, little, little light, but I can live with that. Um, and he's a guy where I think he gives you a lot of the same things Greedy Williams gives you, but the difference is he'll actually tackle. He, he doesn't run away from contact. Um, so I think. If you're looking for another uh, long guy, he's a good pick. He had 33-inch arms, which is awesome. Um, and most of the guys that are in my my Tier 3 along with him, um, Mullen from Clemson, I think Clemson's just iffy because their longer corners are are really physical. They've always been, um, but they leave a, a little to be desired in technique. Yeah. Um, so you'll see them get beat and stuff like that. Very grabby. Um very grabby. Um, and then I think two guys that are going to really intrigue some people um, that I might be a little lower on than, than teams actually are, are um, Lonnie Johnson, who had a really good combine senior bowl, um, did a nice job at Kentucky this year, another long guy. Um, and then Joe Juan Williams um, from Vandy. He came in that like a true 6'3" like 208 like he's he's a big dude and he's a really physical dude um he's a guy that goes back to he's got the size of sean taylor but he if you're gonna run at him he will come down and rock you if he can line you up you're gonna have a bad time um so i think those are guys that you're if you're thinking of investing in a corner that you could develop into a legitimate two i think those are the guys on your list um you know, I think um, I'm not going to pronounce his name this late at night. The dude from Penn State, um, I think him and Rocky Sin are going to be a little too rich for Miami's taste. I think there's a chance that they go pretty high in two. Um, and I think the guy from Penn State reminds me a lot of uh, Prince of Mukamara, um, which is never a bad thing because he had a weird cut out there in um, uh, for the Giants. Um, but then he, he kind of revitalized his career in with uh, Fangio. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, I think those t- guys are too expensive for the Dolphins. Um, but, you know, I, you never know. They could be in play. I'm trying to remember the Penn State. Are you talking about Oro Rie? Yeah, uh, Amani. You just call him Amani. Yeah, whatever his name is. Amani Yeah, I was just like sitting there like in my mind. I was like, I know who you're talking about. And I was just like, can I pronounce it? Oro Rie. So. Yeah, the thing about the thing about Prince yeah. playing with um, Vic Fangio or under Vic Fangio is Vic Fangio n- needed a guy who could play up on the line of scrimmage because that's not that's not um, uh, Fuller's game. Kyle Fuller, I kept I kept wanting Fuller, to call him yeah. Kendall. I'm like, no, yeah. Kendall's in Kansas City. Kyle Fuller, <laughs> Kyle Fuller is definitely a zone guy. Definitely wants to play off the line of scrimmage. Doesn't want to flip his hips and run with dudes. Like he wants to keep everything in front of him if he can. And if he can turn and run, you'll notice that. And um, Philadelphia went after him and, in my opinion, uh, beat him up pretty good in that playoff game because they wanted to try to make him turn and run. Because that's, that's not the strength in his game. He's a physical guy. He keeps things in front of him. He's a ball hawk when the ball's in front of him. So, which is why, like, I mean, and it takes away, effectively, uh, a lot of the, the out routes on his side of the field. 
I mean, you're essentially removing those because you know that he's going to sit on them. But I mean, to Vic Fangio's credit, I mean, he was trying to roll the coverage because he knew that Prince's strength is Prince wants to wants to bump and run. So, yep. So, I mean, that's just how it worked out. Um, in Pr- Prince of Mukamara was essentially out of the league. I thought like he was an afterthought. And then with Chicago, he had that. Re- he was gone after. Yeah, he had that resurgence. It was. It's you love seeing that. So yeah, Amanio, Aruarie. Um, what was his what was his forty <laughs> time like four 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 seven maybe? He ran like a four okay. four seven. Yeah, he ran I something remember. like so, that. Yeah, which is I nice. think Byron Murphy was like four four five five. I think I'm just going going through here yeah. thinking about it. Which I mean, whatever. Number two corner speed. I, I'm yeah. not gonna sit there and kill it um yeah you know who's a dude that had like an unbelievable fall from grace through his college career as a defensive back um amon marshall from usc like there was a point like two years ago where people were talking about him like greedy williams um but he he fell off the face of the map Uh, i mean usc has kind of done that as a, a whole um but you know he at one point I remember like teams were talking about him as like this dude is going to be a high first round pick. Yep, pretty much. And yeah, they were. And I mean, kind of sounds like Taylor Mays, right? I mean, at one, at one point, yeah. like Taylor Mays, if yep. he comes out in two thousand nine, that dude is absolutely a top ten pick. He comes out in twenty ten, and he's what a second yeah. rounder for San Francisco. I think. So funny stuff. Kind of not re- not really funny for him. But all right, yeah. Uh, if there's anything else you want to bring up, so actually, we'll finish with this because we're kind of coming up on the time where we run a hook uh, at 13 right now. What position do you think is the most ideal target? Doesn't have to be a player, but I mean, you're interested in the offensive line, the defensive line, the defensive backs. I mean, at 13, where do you think you're getting the most bang for the buck right now? I think well. Again, I think I think it's going to kind of hinge on what happens if you see three quarterbacks go before Miami. Um, I think there's an unbelievable amount of defensive line and offensive line talent um, available at 13 at that point. Um, I think if I had to rank them, which positions coming out of the combine make the most sense going into free agency of where they're, they'll go, I'm going to say... Defensive line, specifically edge, offensive line, guys that are tackles with guard interior capability. And then I'd say the third position, um, I'd say back to defensive line for an interior guy. Um, But I think that would be my order at the moment. Interesting. Oh man, I just look at some of the the numbers for these guys, and it's like the only position I played was I was a receiver. So I just look at some like like Josh Allen's arms are thirty three and a half, and I'm like, what is that even like? Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's just insane. Like what the the build on some of these guys, it's just ridiculous. But that's why they're they're going in the league to make a ton of money. Good for them. Um, all right. I think that'll do it. Episode 19. We made it through. Thanks for everyone for joining us. Uh, I, we are. Oh, I meant, forgot to mention at the beginning of the show. Finsider Radio Podcast Network. That is us. Other shows on there. My old show is the Finsider Radio. Uh, the Blowhole, which I think is a Friday thing. You can check them all out. I think we're, they're on um, iTunes. 
pretty sure. So we're on there too. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. We'll have more to talk about, more things to make fun of, more things that will make us sound stupid. So for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for checking in. We'll talk to you next week.